and welcome to MedTalk, medical revision podcast designed by medical students for medical students. Today we are talking to Dr. Azavi, who is a consultant ophthalmologist at Lion's Eye and head of ophthalmology teaching at UWA. And today we'll be going through the red eye. Dr. Azavi, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. So the red eye as a presentation can encompass quite a wide array of conditions. What is your process with dealing with a, a red eye? So Depeche, like most things in medicine, it starts with history. And uh, I remember when I was a medical student, I think Talia O'Connor said that 80% of diagnosis comes from history. I think that's probably true for, for red eye. Um, so a combination of history and obviously examination. In an emergency department or in an eye clinic, you would use a slit lamp, but um, using a handheld ophthalmoscope is perfectly fine in other settings. Um, and uh, very quickly, your presenting complaint should give you an idea of whether it's infection or trauma or allergy uh, or inflammation from something like blepharitis of the eyelids. So very quickly, your, your history should guide you down a particular stream. And then you're looking for red flags to know if it's a dangerous presentation of red eye. So if we could get into a case history now, mm -hmm. today we're seeing Charles, who's a 25-year-old contact lens wearer with no significant past medical history who presents three days after developing a red right eye that has spread to his left eye today. He has watery discharge from both eyes. Both eyes are irritated, but he denies significant pain or light sensitivity. He also describes occasional foreign body sensations in both eyes. He reports recent um, upper respiratory tract symptoms after returning from holidays. He also works in construction but had to take the day off yesterday because of his eye symptoms. So having heard that case, uh, what are the key features that you would expect students to pick up on here? So this is a really well-written case, Depeche, because there's multiple things going on. It's kind of a classic um, red eye question stem, mm. if you like, um, with multiple possible etiologies. So let's have a look. First of all, he's a contact lens wearer. So that's a big red flashing light because we know contact lens wearers are prone to particularly bad corneal infections. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so the, the diagnosis to rule out here is microbial keratitis, usually from a gram-positive bacteria. Um, so that's definitely on my list. Uh, it's spread to his left eye though. So that's typical for conjunct conjunctivitis. So most conjunctivitis becomes bilateral. Most conjunctivitis is viral. Probably 70 to 80% is viral. So probability-wise, that's the most likely thing sure. for Charles. You can have conjunctivitis and microbial keratitis at the same time. Right. So if it's conjunctivitis, doesn't mean he doesn't also have a corneal infection. Watery discharge, irritation, that all fits with conjunctivitis. Occasional foreign body sensation possibly from just wearing his contact lenses, so he may not have the best fitting contact lenses for him. In a 25-year-old, that's the most likely thing. Occasional foreign body sensation in a 50, 60, 70-year-old 
is more likely going to be dry eye and blepharitis, mm-hmm. which in that age group are the most common cause of red eye, of kind of a chronic red eye. Yeah. So occasionally you see an older person walk into clinic and their eyelid margins and their eyes just look inflamed. Not necessarily a lot of discharge, but just think of blepharitis and dry eye as a as the commoner cause in the older age group mm-hmm. and conjunctivitis as the commoner cause in the younger age group yeah. with microbial keratitis in this case because he's a contact lens wearer. Finally, it says he's got upper respiratory tract symptoms after returning from holidays. So upper respiratory tract symptoms again fits with conjunctivitis. Mm-hmm. Chlamydial conjunctivitis is an uncommon cause of a unilateral red eye so you've got a 25-year-old returning from holidays. Don't want to stereotype, but that has to be on your in your thought process as well. You do see that occasionally. Mm-hmm. And chlamydial conjunctivitis is a red eye. It's bright red, typically unilateral, doesn't resolve. Just continues despite eye drops and whatever. Last thing, he works in construction. So he's, th- this is why this is such a well-written question. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Construction workers typically get foreign bodies. So they typically get subtarsal or corneal foreign bodies. He had to take yesterday off. Does he have a subtarsal foreign body? You definitely need to rule that out. So they're the main things I would think about. Sure. So maybe let's move on to physical examinations. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, When we examine him, his visual acuity is six on six in both eyes with contacts in. Mm -hmm. And on visual inspection, there is bilateral generalized redness in both eyes with clear discharge. Mm -hmm. His pupils are equal and reactive, and he has a right-sided tender preauricular lymph node. Mm -hmm. Penlite examination does not reveal any corneal opacity as well. So what are the key features here on physical exam, and has this changed your differential diagnosis at all? So his vision being 6-6 tells me immediately that he doesn't have a big fat corneal ulcer in the center of his right cornea, mm-hmm. okay? You can have a peripheral corneal ulcer. Microbial keratitis is what I'm talking about. Yeah. You can have a peripheral ulcer and have vision maintained. So mm-hmm. it's not the be-all and end-all, but it tells you that there's nothing bad going on in the center. Bilateral generalized redness, clear discharge, sounds like viral conjunctivitis. Bacterial conjunctivitis tends to be more of a thicker, white, ropey discharge, mm-hmm. whereas viral uh, tends to be more clear. Pupils equal and reactive. That's good. We don't think he's got an optic nerve problem. Um, this is a key thing, the tender preauricular lymph node, recent upper respiratory. So the, this is all pointing towards conjunctivitis. Mm-hmm. Um, and penlight examination doesn't reveal a corneal opacity. That's reassuring. Definitely want to use an ophthalmoscope. Um, to get a more magnified view if you can. So at this point, I'm tending towards um, uh, viral conjunctivitis, but I still want to avert his upper lid, make sure there's no subtarsal foreign body, and I still want a magnified view of his cornea to make sure it's definitely clear. Sure. So we've sort of gone through this, but um, I just wanted to, Mm. um, you know, shine a spotlight on it if Mm. if we could. Mm -hmm. Um, The actual urgent and serious conditions that can present with the red eye and are there any um, signs or red flags here? And um, if not, what, what else would you be looking for? Yeah, the main font for him is the contact lens wear, but the other urgent serious condition you need to have on your list, the sort of red flag condition, is orbital cellulitis. Mm-hmm. And that often happens in the setting of a sinus infection 
or dental surgery uh, or a or a laceration or some trauma in the periorbital region, which yeah. then becomes infected. Skin around the eye socket or orbit becomes infected and then it progresses to involve the whole eye socket. Now, orbital cellulitis is vision-threatening and potentially life-threatening. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be on the list. Um, it tends to be more unilateral. It, it doesn't tend to, to be bilateral. And, and patients tend to present pretty unwell. Yeah. So febrile, in a lot of pain, proptosis, lots of edema and erythema around the eye. You need to know about orbital cellulitis. doesn't look like that's what this guy has got, but that's an important, um, serious one. Great. So for our patient, Charles, um, how would your differentials guide your investigations at this mm-hmm. point? Sure. So if I'm thinking viral conjunctivitis, unless it's recurrent or there's something unusual about it, uh, if it looks bacterial, for example, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't do any investigations in the first instance if he's not systemically unwell, especially. So um, no investigations to do there for, for bog-standard viral conjunctivitis. Mm-hmm. If you think it's chlamydia, you're going to do a PCR swab uh, for chlamydia. If you think it's... Um, bacterial or, or you suspect it's bacterial you're going to do an mcns a couple uh, a cause that we haven't talked about is herpetic keratitis so herpes simplex virus keratitis or varicella zoster um, keratitis herpes simplex is where people get the perioral ulcers typically not always um, but they'll present with a history of perioral ulcers and that's where you classically see the dendritic ulcer on the cornea um, varicella is chickenpox uh, in, in your childhood, but it, it's the same virus, and that's what gives you shingles. So shingles in the distribution of the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve. So you get that typical sort of blistering rash on the forehead uh, and around the orbit. Um, if you think it's either of those and you can see a dendritic type ulcer, then you can swab that you can swab the dendrite and and do a pcr for hsv1 Mm -hmm. uh, or vzv shingles diagnosis really is clinical you shouldn't really need to you can for confirmation but you don't really need to investigate if it's within 72 hours then you want to treat shingles systemically so that's a very long-winded answer but in a in summary from for most viral conjunctivitis you're not going to investigate Mm. Uh, but if you're worried about other viral causes, particularly herpetic or bacterial, then you, uh, you you would do a swab. And finally, for orbital cellulitis, your key investigation there is a CT scan of the head and orbits. Uh, but you want to start antibiotics before you arrange the CT. So don't don't postpone the treatment. Sure. So if we could focus in on viral conjunctivitis um, for a moment, mm-hmm. could we discuss the epidemiology when compared to other um, red eye conditions and even go through the risk factors and causative pathogens for sure. viral conjunctivitis. Yeah. So um, in, in the younger age group with this sort of presentation, as I said earlier, it'll, it'll be the commonest cause of, of red eye. Um, I can't give you an exact number off the top of my head. Depeche, but I'd say it's probably 80% of unilateral becoming bilateral in a younger person with, mm-hmm. with the signs that are described here. Risk factors, recent upper respiratory tract infection, not a great deal 
more than that. Um, infectious contacts is is the main one. So it's a contagious condition with viral shedding. Yeah. So if people are sharing hand towels or bed sheets, that sort of thing. Causative pathogens, uh, as I said, conjunctivitis, 70 to 80% viral. The majority of those are adenovirus. Mm-hmm. So various strains of adenovirus. Adenovirus can cause upper respiratory infections and uh, viral conjunctivitis. And adenovirus can range quite a bit in its severity. So I've, you see everything from mild conjunctivitis to conjunctivitis where the inflammation is so bad that it actually ends up damaging vision. Mm-hmm. So you get involvement of the cornea and you get what you can get occasionally what are called pseudomembranes, which is where the conjunctiva sticks to the inside of the eyelid. And if that pseudomembrane isn't cleared, then it causes what's called symblepharon, which is where you get a connective tissue adhesion between the conjunctiva on the surface of the globe, the eyeball, mm-hmm. and the conjunctiva on the surface on the inside of the eyelid. Okay, so okay. the tarsal conjunctiva. When it's that severe, you're going to want to be referring to an ophthalmologist, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll almost certainly, um, we'll almost certainly swab to make sure that it's not an unusual bug. One cause that I haven't mentioned is Neisseria, so gonorrhea uh, as a cause of conjunctivitis. Mm-hmm. That's really uncommon. I actually can't remember the last time I saw that. But they get a very, very purulent conjunctivitis. It's literally mm. white ropey discharge that's pouring out of the eye. Oh. Um, yeah, but most, uh, most vi- mostly viral, mostly adenovirus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so for our patient Charles here, um, how would you manage... Um, Charles um, Red Eye and mm-hmm. how would you discuss with him you know the impact of this on his work and even his contact lens wearing yep. so when Charles comes into clinic I'm putting in topical anaesthetic drops which will allow me to remove his uh, contact lenses or, mm-hmm. or for him to remove his contact lenses I then ask him to store those contact lenses if he's got his case with him if not I'll store them in some normal saline in a container Mm-hmm. Just in case he does have signs of bacterial keratitis and we want to send those contact lenses to the lab because yeah. that, can, that can be one of your investigations when they've got bacterial conjunctivitis. So hang on to the contact lenses. Second thing is I want a good, good magnified view of his cornea with an ophthalmoscope or a slit lamp, evert the upper and lower eyelids, perform fluorescein staining, and I'm doing those things to rule out a foreign body mm-hmm. and to rule out definite uh, microbial keratitis. Um, if I'm happy that he's got viral conjunctivitis, then I'm not going to treat him with topical antibiotic or antiviral. I'm just going to use topical lubricants, so clear artificial teardrop. Mm-hmm. You can get those from the chemist over the counter. There are lots of brands. I just tell patients to ask the chemist for the most popular one. Um, if they don't like the look of the red eye, then there are other drops that they can get, which have a vasoconstrictor effect. Um, I personally don't recommend those because once you can get a rebound effect when patients stop using those, Mm. where they stop using the vasoconstrictor and the eye becomes more red. Yeah. So it's a cosmetic thing. It doesn't look great, but it's not sight-threatening most of the time. So lubrication, um, if they've got a lot of uh, corneal erosion, so with conjunctivitis you can get these little punctate erosions of the cornea. Mm -hmm. And they're like little... So if you do fluorescein staining, you'll see these little dots all over the cornea. 
and that's quite uncomfortable, it also predisposes to bacterial, to secondary bacterial infection because you've now got a defect on the surface of the cornea. Mm -hmm. If they've got a lot of that sort of corneal involvement, so we'd call that keratoconjunctivitis, cornea and conjunctiva, then I'll use Clorsig or something like Clorsig ointment. Mm Clorsig -hmm. um, ointment is good for lubrication uh, and also it'll reduce the risk of bacteria, secondary bacterial infection. You can use Clorsig drops as well. Uh, ointment tends to blur the vision a bit. Mm -hmm. can use drops and ointment. So drops during the day, ointment at night time um, for overnight lubrication. I'm going to ask him to keep his contact lenses out until he's recovered from this episode. So that'll typically that'll be at least two weeks. So we call that a contact lens holiday. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm going to have him manage his sort of hand hygiene and make sure he's not passing it on to anyone else. Mm. So if it's in the first sort of four to seven days, um, if he can stay away from work, that would be better. Um, and then he should be able to return beyond that but continue to keep the contact lenses out sure. um, for a while longer. Uh, you mentioned Clorsig there. Is that a uh, antibiotic? Yeah, so Clorsig is chloramphenicol. Mm -hmm. um, it's bacteriostatic, not bactericidal. It's probably it, it, it is the most commonly prescribed uh, topical ocular antibiotic in the world. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you don't want to be, you know, an important takeaway from this talk should be you don't want to be dishing Clorsig out left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Box standard conjunctivitis, don't use Clorsig. Um, blepharitis, don't use Clorsig. If you're not sure, get a second opinion or, or get some advice. Mm -hmm. Like everything else, people do develop um, resistance. Uh, you know, the, the, the flora around the eyelids can become resistant to Clorsig. Mm -hmm. That's important in an age where we're doing lots of eye procedures and you'd hate to have a, a bacteria-resistant bug get into the eye. Mm -hmm. and that can be quite dangerous. Um, yeah, so and, and, and don't be afraid in the first instance to use um, lubrication. Um, one condition that I haven't mentioned, it's not super common, Depeche, but we do see it, is a condition called marginal keratitis, mm -hmm. where you get an opacity of the peripheral cornea. It's uncomfortable, but it's not severe pain like bacterial keratitis. Mm -hmm. Marginal keratitis is an immune reaction to bacterial toxins, the bacteria that live on the eyelid margins. Okay. Okay. How do you? Do? It's it's a white lesion in the peripheral cornea, and it tends to be more recurrent than bacterial keratitis, mm. and it's not dependent on contact lens wear. How do you differentiate between marginal keratitis and bacterial keratitis? Probably difficult, to be honest. If you haven't seen a few, mm -hmm. uh, that's probably one that's worth referring on. Marginal keratitis we treat with steroids. It's not an infection, it's an immune inflammatory reaction. But So you want to be quite confident, very confident that it's marginal keratitis, not bacterial keratitis. You treat bacterial keratitis with steroids, that person's going blind. Mm. So it just needs to be on your, on your radar. Um, anything white and fluffy on the cornea in a person with a painful eye, don't hesitate to refer. Mm. I wouldn't be hanging on to those people for any period of time. Of course. Yeah. Um, I guess the, to throw a spanner in the works, if mm. Charles were to represent to you, yeah. um, 
um, under what conditions or what circumstances mm. would you want to reconsider your diagnosis? Yeah, that's a really good question. Anytime a patient represents in medicine, you have to think through the whole case again. Do not just assume that they're being annoying or you know, you know, they just need to put up with it or whatever. Sure. Even if you're busy and tired, this is a red flag. So I can tell you a story of a case where I was called to be the medical expert uh, witness. This was a medical legal case, unfortunately, mm. for a patient in a regional hospital who'd presented to the emergency department with a painful red eye, was diagnosed as conjunctivitis, sent home um, with, with Clausig drops or ointment and he represented twice this guy represented twice mm. and ultimately it, it um, transpired that he had bacteria he did have bacterial keratitis yeah. and he went from having good vision to losing vision in, in that eye it's bacterial keratitis depending on the organism particularly in contact lens wearers where they often get pseudomonas mm. uh, corneal infections can progress very rapidly and very aggressively mm. And uh, so, unfortunately, that was a, that was a case of a missed diagnosis. Mm. Um, and so, if Charles was to represent, I'd go through the whole thing again. Uh, I'd invert the eyelids again. I'd fluorescein stain again. Um, I would look really carefully, carefully for a small corneal infiltrate mm -hmm. um, to see if he's got a bacterial infection. Also, you want to examine the anterior chamber if you've got a slit lamp to make sure this isn't a case of anterior uveitis, which is a cause of red eye, not as common. Goes from unilateral to bilateral many times. Mm -hmm. uh, they tend to have more photophobia. Um, and in uveitis, a good diagnostic test is if they're presenting unilateral, cover the affected eye, so cover the red eye, shine a light in the unaffected eye, and if on shining the light, the red eye becomes painful, that's a good diagnostic clue that it's uveitis because when you shine a light in the good eye, the bad eye pupil will constrict through the consensual reflex. It's an inflammation of the iris, you know. So yeah. it makes sense that if it constricts, then that's, that's a good diagnostic test mm -hmm. if you don't have a slit lamp. If you suspect uveitis, don't waste time in, in referring on. Sure. Yeah. Great. Well... Um, to summarize then, uh, what are the key learning outcomes here um, for a second year versus a third year versus a fourth year medical student that um, you would expect them to come away with? Well, a second year probably just needs to know that there is an eyeball and <laughs> sometimes it gets random painful. <laughs> third years need to have an idea of causes and differentials and a fourth year needs to have a solid management plan. Uh, you know, to try and summarize, red eye is a big topic. I mean, we're just scratching the surface of it here. Mm -hmm. It's a big topic, but the broad principles are commonest causes, particularly in the younger age group, is conjunctivitis. Uh, commonest causes in the older age group is blepharitis and dry eyes. Mm -hmm. Neither of those need antibiotics for a first presentation. Dangerous causes, microbial keratitis, particularly in a contact lens wearer, orbital cellulitis. Don't forget about herpetic keratitis, so herpes simplex or varicella. Um, yeah, I guess I guess they're the sort of most common and most serious causes of red eye. Don't forget about uveitis mm -hmm. as well, and then have a low threshold for getting advice or, or referring on. Great, great. Yeah. 
Um, finally, can you recommend any resources for our listeners if they want to learn more about uh, Red Eyes? Uh, look, um, I'm, it's so boring, but I'm just going to say the same <laughs> thing I did last time, which is we've got a Red Eye talk, um, I think, on the Eyeballs Made Easy website. Yep. And hopefully that's pretty comprehensive and goes through. You know, think about Red Eye in terms of common and then serious, or pretty much all of medicine you can break down that way. What's mm -hmm. the probability when they walk in the door? And what are the dangerous things that I don't want to miss? Mm -hmm. And if you sort of approach it that way, then, you know, you're going to be fine. Great. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Azavi. Um, the red eye is quite a large topic and um, it's uh, listening to this has, has um, been really helpful to distill some of those key features. Um, so thank you very much for your time. Yeah, you're very welcome and well done on writing up a good case. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find this episode as well as all our other episodes and their transcripts on our website www.medtalkpod.com. You can also like us on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash medtalkpod to stay updated about all the new episodes and any new learning resources. You can also send us episode ideas and feedback on our website or our email medtalkpod at outlook.com.